Hi everyone, this is Lita, your host from That's Just Life, I guess. I am super excited about today's segment. We just finished wrapping everything up. I co-hosted with my best friend, Mikey J, and he brought a special aspect to this podcast. It's about a subject no one wants to talk about anymore. They want to shove it underneath the rug. And you know how I am. I love a little bit of scandal. I love a bit, a little bit of spice. So this podcast is going to be all about relationships. And we're going to touch heavily on dating. It is going to be interesting for sure. So I hope you guys enjoy. Hi guys, as promised, I'm sitting here with my BFF Mike. And hi. hi. And hi. And we're gonna be talking about oh anything to do with relationships, uh romantic, friends, family, whatever. I have a couple questions from you guys that we may be able to get to, or we may just go off on tangents and completely forget what, that we had questions to answer. That's just how we roll. So I Mike, won't forget about you. No, he he won't. <laughs> Mike, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, my name is Michael J. Um, Forty-five years old. I came out when I was uh, seventeen. Um, took a while for my family to get used to it, but they did. Uh, moved to San Diego. I was diagnosed HIV positive in ninety-seven, ninety-eight. Uh, been healthy ever since, and yeah. I'm in construction, gay guy in construction. <laughs> Too bad I don't have all the hot construction men's working with me. I was just thinking, like, wouldn't that be someone's dream? Well, that might be a good thing because I'd be distracted all day. You would be distracted. I would. Yes, definitely. You would be distracted all day. So, so you're single. Very single, yes. So you're single and ready to ready to mingle. Um, I wouldn't say ready to mingle, but if it. The mingling comes about. I would be more than happy to. <laughs> the mingling comes about. Entertain the idea. <laughs> so, what probably everyone's thinking right now is that you just said you were diagnosed with HIV. What What is it like for you to to date? Like, what have you come across? Um, it's it's very hard to find a decent relationship. Um, because for me, there's always that thought of what is my partner thinking you know is he scared is Mm -hmm. he just saying that just to have somebody to be with or or what you know so I mean it's kind of hard even if I do find a good relationship which is on my part but then it's also very weird because even after I tell people you still have those out there that still want to have unprotected sex Mm -hmm. and I'm I'm like you do realize what I just told you right Mm -hmm. so it's 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 a weird situation and it's like the older I've gotten with it um I'm not afraid to say I'm bitter because I just don't understand a lot of what people think Mm -hmm. and you know sometimes you find a decent person to date and then you find out later or it's just it's just become very difficult so speaking of decent people today maybe we should go back into your history a little bit like 
how did you find out that you had contracted HIV and my situation was uh, it was one of those ones that was just very unusual and I think I know who I got it from mm-hmm. but um, I became very 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 sick like uh, I couldn't eat um, I couldn't even drink water because wow. I would puke it up um, You're I, like, am I pregnant? <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's, it, I mean, anything I put near my mouth to to try to give me some sort of sustenance, I just got sick. Wow. So I lost quite a bit of weight. Um, when I finally got better, uh, I went to work. And while I was at work, uh, I passed out on the floor. Whoa. So they rushed me to the hospital, and then that's where I found out what was going on. And the doctor said that um, I was very near death. <clears throat> what? I was that close because uh, my viral load was very, very low. Mm-hmm. Um, my, no, my T cells were very low, excuse mm-hmm. me. Uh, my viral load was extremely high. Um, and I, they said I almost died because I was that sick. Did they know how long you had contracted the virus for? Like how long you were walking around not knowing? They said... Um, most people it can happen you'll you'll get the, the diagnosis well this was back then nowadays it's different mm-hmm. um it's been 20 years but they said back then that people can go without it for three to six months to up to a year before showing any signs right and in some rare cases people don't even know forever right i mean you never know until you get tested mm-hmm. so um back then that's just what it was you know and obviously things have changed uh, with medications, and uh, I have been undetectable for about seven, eight years now. That's awesome. And uh, yeah, so now I just I, I focus on my health and work mm-hmm. at my house, and that's it. You know, if I come across somebody, yeah, cool. Well, there's from what we had a discussion last time we hung out and drunk a lot because this is rare for us to be sober and talking together. You it should. is. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in shock. I don't know what to do. <laughs> There goes all my cuckoo clocks. And then that one's going to go in a few minutes. <laughs> oh my God. It's just part of the show. I may or may not edit it out. It just depends. But anyway, um, you and I were talking, what, last time? And you were saying that guys are going out there and contracting all kinds of diseases now. Mm-hmm. What's running rampant right now? Syphilis. Um, Syphilis is one of the biggest um, contracted diseases in our area. Really? In the Hampton Roads area, it is. Um, And that's one of the diseases where you don't have to have any type of penetration. You can get syphilis from oral. Can you say a little louder for all the young kids? (laughs) You don't have to have penetration to get syphilis or gonorrhea. you can get that from oral. That from oral, you nasty little hoes. <laughs> yeah, so it's you know, and, and that's kind of like another thing that's really one of the main things that makes me bitter mm. is because I've I've been on the gate, you know, pickup sites, mm-hmm. dating sites as mm-hmm. they call them. Yeah. And I know people in the area that are HIV positive that don't say anything. Wow. And they're picking up guys left and right. I'm the honest one, and nobody wants to, you know, 
hook up or date unless you know they want to contract or they want to date but they're just weird um and i've actually turned my back on a number of friends that i had because before we were friends there was a sexual interest mm-hmm. and or a physical interest i should say mm-hmm. um but that particular friend didn't want to mess with me because of my status and then you know six seven eight months later or a couple years later or whatever you know they tell me they contracted what and the first time i was really pissed off because you know we were such good friends and he knew that i was very insistent on protection Mm -hmm. but he still didn't want to do anything so weird yeah, so then he goes out and picks up a random person and contracts it. And that's the thing. You can be honest and tell people, mm-hmm. this is what I have. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for something more long-term. Mm-hmm. And they want nothing to do with you. But they'll go on a chat site, pick up a random guy, trust that that random person's telling the truth, have unprotected sex, right. and go on about their life. So that's why that's where the, my bitterness comes in. It's like, mm-hmm. where's your thought process? Right. So that's why it's so hard to find... A decent relationship and if you do find something it, a lot of it has to do with attraction and people who say no it's all about love no you've got to have some sort of attraction there has to be something there to draw you to that person mm-hmm. um, you know be it their personality be it their body be it you know whatever there has to be some sort of attraction right. to get you going mm-hmm. and if there's not then there's not I just know when I met you eons ago when dinosaurs roamed the earth you were very honest with me. I tell people up front because, yeah. you know, at this point in my life, even back then, I mean, you're, if you're going to find out one way or another. You are. So I've always been one of those upfront, forward first people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, who cares? If you don't want to be with me because of it, okay, nice meeting you. Have a nice day. Mm-hmm. It doesn't bother me. Yeah. Is it gotten better, like, as far as medicines go? Like, I I don't know if I heard this correctly. Didn't, there's, like, a vaccine they're trying to come up with for HIV now, or? They are trying a number of vaccines um, that show progress, that show Mm -hmm. promising results. Um, There, there is studies going on, um, try to figure out how to get down to the actual genome of the HIV virus Mm -hmm. to try to prevent it from replicating itself. You can, and this has happened uh, in Europe twice, um, two people who contracted the HIV virus uh, were diagnosed with cancer. Mm. Um, The first guy was in Germany. He was diagnosed with uh, bone cancer, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. Uh, Went through months of uh, bone marrow transplant uh, the chemo and radiation and now he is HIV free okay um, basically what they did was they took his bone marrow out mm-hmm. replaced that bone marrow and they took it the, the HIV DNA out of his body oh wow so there's there is a cure for it it's yeah. just expensive I'm sure yeah, it is very expensive, and that's, you know, it was expensive for Europe, so you can only imagine what it would be like here. Right. Um, so that's why it's kind of hard to do that type of treatment for the millions of people here. Um, so there are other vaccines. 
they have done a number of uh, medications. Back when I was diagnosed, I was taking uh, 12 pills twice a day. Mm. So, um, and those pills were very hard on my stomach. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm down to two pills twice a day. That's not bad. And there are one pill regimens out there that are working. Unfortunately, I'm allergic to some of the ingredients in those one pill regimens. So I can't do any of those right now. Uh, There is a shot that you can give yourself once a week. Mm -hmm. Um, Unfortunately, I can't give myself a shot. Right, I don't know who can. (laughs) A lot of people can. Uh, I'm sure there are folks with uh, who are diabetic Mm. who can give themselves their insulin shots, but. For myself, I can't do that. Mm-mm. So, and I can't go to a doctor once a week too. Right, it's a doctor's visit every time. Yeah. So, um, and even now, there like there's a lawsuit out right now for three of the medications. Surprise! Because yeah, right. <laughs> because the uh, the pharmaceutical company did not tell people uh, that it's a very toxic pill. Seriously. So there's people are having. Um, calling it bone degeneration and uh, kidney problems. So there's a huge lawsuit out with that. Oh now they've God. actually taken the same medication that's less toxic and more safe. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for the past decade, they've been giving the people the hard stuff. Told you. So you have a horse and a cat. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Well, that's like Lupron. They try to shove me on Lupron for my endo. And... They never really fully tested it for endo, and now women are getting sick and everything else, and it's horrible. Yeah, and meanwhile, the pharmaceuticals are banking. They are totally banking yeah. and lying. Mm-hmm. So pretty much why I don't like farms. So yeah, yeah. Well, wow, Michael. But it's, it's been it's been a, a, an interesting past twenty years, but. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I said, I, I just, I learned to focus on myself. Anybody out there that learns of their diagnosis, um, you are in a much better time. Yes. Much better time um, than it was for me. And even when I was diagnosed, I was in a much better time than it was when HIV first came out. Yeah, I remember it too. And uh, there are so many movies and shows out there that uh, talk about what it was like back then. Mm-hmm. And, they were basically putting poison in people's bodies mm-hmm. and making money off of it. Right. So. And it's not, this, I want to make this very clear, it's not just a homosexual disease. No, it is not. It's not a homosexual disease at nope. all. Um, as a matter of fact, one of the greatest movies that I have seen in my time, uh, of course there are couples, a couple of movies that came out prior, but one of the best movies that I've seen is uh, Texas Millionaire's Club. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, um, it has Matthew McConaughey in it and Jared Leto, mm-hmm. and basically Matthew McConaughey was this hardcore country cowboy guy who you know was banging every woman he could find. Yeah, and he contracted HIV, mm-hmm. and then he met up with Jared Leto, who plays a drag queen. Okay, he was also HIV positive. Okay, and. They go into a underground black market business, getting medications from Europe, getting medications from Mexico, mm-hmm. bringing them into the United States and selling them to people because they were working. And because back in the day, 
those were the countries that had the medications that were mm. working. The United States didn't. Wow. Because it was a pharmaceutical thing with the government. You know, we have this that kind of sort of works. We can all make money off of it. Right. They've got stuff that does work. We're not going to make money because we're not going to make money if we can't make people better. Yeah. So, or if we make people better, we're not going to make money. So it, it really, it's a really good movie. It actually dives into pharmaceutical companies and the government and how things work with the FDA and it's a good movie but it does show that it's not just a gay thing it is mm-hmm. a human thing right anybody can get it it doesn't care yeah. if you're black white gay straight male female you mess up you will get it right well it's just like you could be a woman out there dating and whoever you're sleeping whatever gentleman you're sleeping with could have also had one night with another dude Possibly, or he could be a drug addict, and you not know, and so it's like there's so or vice versa, you know, a man dating a woman who could be a drug addict, and, and H- boom, HIV is not a sexual disease. No, it's a blood disease. Exactly. And you know, um, Ryan White, he was a, a an eleven year old kid. Yeah. Who went and had a blood transfusion and got it and you know that's where the Ryan White Foundation came mm-hmm. from because this 11 year old boy mm-hmm. got HIV and he didn't get it from sex right. he got it from blood right and that that particular case changed how people donate blood right um, it changed the testings uh, for people who have donated mm-hmm. um, so yeah it's not it is not a, a sexual disease. No, not you at know, all. It's a, it's a blood disease. You share needles. You never know what that person's doing. Mm-hmm. It, it, unfortunately, the, the gay sex stigma is where it blew up. everybody sees mm-hmm. it as. Yeah. I think that was kind of planned, too. I'm sure. There was a lot um, of propaganda in that. Yeah, because, I mean gay people were the primary ones that were getting it back then Mm -hmm. um, but now it's everywhere and I think our society has changed so much from the 60s and 70s and the 80s Um, more people are accepting of alternative lifestyles yeah exactly Um, totally I mean I've come across in the past 20 years heterosexual couples that want to hook up with me well, why not? You're a handsome devil. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's just, it's weird. I mean, you look at, you know, Roman times, mm-hmm. and back then, Roman people would have sex with whoever, because back then, it, they were all about life and love and mm-hmm. pleasure, things that felt good. Mm-hmm. And having sex, doesn't matter who it was with, felt good. Right. So that's what the Roman people did. And not that our society today is moving back into that. We have, we're stepping into, I don't want to say we're stepping into because we've always been that kind of a society, but Mm -hmm. it's becoming more prevalent today. You know what frustrates me? I'm so glad you're here. I get frustrated. I don't know whether you have this viewpoint or not, but when people say that bisexual people or pansexuals are just greedy. I cannot stand that. First of all, 
I had to look it up because I had heard pansexual before, but something really triggered my my interest a couple of weeks ago, and mm-hmm. I was like, "What? What is pansexual?" So I looked the it up. The best human ever, and <laughs> <laughs> basically. <laughs> well, this this is where I'm getting it. It, it. Pansexual is a person who is attracted to both male and female. Mm-hmm. Or anything. Oh, so you mean bisexual? No, it could be a drag queen. It could be a midget. It could be someone with no legs. Oh, well, that's not what the dictionary said for me. So. Yeah, <laughs> it's basically someone who really just loves people for their inner beauty. It's just really nice. Webster needs to update it. Then. They really are kind of way <laughs> back. It, the... That's what it said. It's attracted to male or female. And I was that's like, not quite right, no, Webster. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway. We need Webster's gay cousin to put out a dictionary. <laughs> 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 but they're the most, I mean, I've met a few and they're the most beautiful people. The most loving people. And I just get frustrated when people do say that. Like, oh, they're just greedy. Okay, I'm greedy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what's wrong with being uh, people say that, that that's a greedy I mean and, and not just pansexual but I mean like even with bisexual yeah. people would say that that's greedy no it's not greedy Mm-mm. it's 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 openness it's, mm-hmm. it's not being stuck on one particular way of life right so you you really people who say that oh that's greedy mm-hmm. no it's not you're you're an idiot you're being greedy by saying, by making that comment, you're being selfish. Right. Now, what's selfish is when you are that type of individual and you don't let the people you're dating know that you're also seeing other people. Yes. That That's a little, that's where, it, okay, you've hit a, a wall. Yes. Yeah, you got to stay really honest with that. So you're just going to fall yeah, apart. You, you definitely have to be open when you when you live that type of lifestyle. Yes. Yeah, and it's amazing. I mean, even when I was dating, I would tell guys, you're not the only one I'm dating. Holler, okay? Mm-hmm. I mean, even in my situation, like, I still told them. You know, some of them liked it. Some of them, it pissed them off. Okay, bye, Felicia. I just met you. I'm going to date other people. <laughs> you know? Like... That, that, that's just how certain people are, you, you know? A lot of people don't want to be bogged down with one particular person, and that doesn't make them a whore. No. Or, or it's or, until you find the right one. Yeah, you just you're enjoying your life. You're enjoying the pleasures mm-hmm. that life has to give. You're not out there smoking crack. You're not out there robbing people, killing people, murdering. You know, whatever. Right. You're just enjoying life, a part of life, and and you're enjoying you know parts of your body, and then mm-hmm. another person's. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. They stay That's safe. I mean, and definitely stay safe. Definitely stay safe. Stay safe. And you know, any young girl, and this is what I've noticed too with the younger generation, is that they feel like um, oral sex is okay. And I cannot stress this enough in this podcast that it's not. You have it's to. Not. You have to protect yourselves. You can get, like I said earlier, you can get gonorrhea. Mm-hmm. You know from having oral sex and the gonorrhea is 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 it's going to be in your mouth. Oh. <laughs> so, I mean this good it, luck trying to pick up anyone else. <laughs> yeah. I mean you 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 know when you have it, you know, in your genitals, you're going to have that leakage. You're going to have that that greenish yellowish ooze. 
so you can only I've never seen somebody with it in their mouth but and, and you can actually mm-hmm. which scares me even more you can actually carry these diseases mm-hmm. and not show signs oh god you can have gonorrhea chlamydia syphilis you can have that virus dormant in your body you can still pass it to somebody else even though you aren't showing signs so that's just it. he looks clean mm-hmm. she looks clean her ninny didn't smell oh I hate that when people <laughs> when I would chat with people they would be you know you would see their profiles you know 175 pounds dark hair thin mm. and clean well you took a shower that's exactly. <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm clean. I showered, and if I'm not, I'll shower before you come over. I mean, right. holler. Uh, I'm clean. Right. I scrub my booty so hole before you come over here. Come on. Do you have the test to prove that? Like exactly. I. And there are people out there that actually do carry that paper with them. Really. They, they will carry a paper with them. Saying this was when I was tested. This is when I was clean. Here you go. And then at the same time, they're asking to have unprotected sex. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's a combo. Yeah. I used to have my paperwork ready, but I was also telling you to wrap three condoms on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, uh, that's it's like people get when when their clits or dicks get hard, they lose it. Their their brain shuts off. Yeah, completely. You know what I think it is? I I, I can speak from a a girl's perspective. It's peer pressure from the man. I mean, from my angle. It's a lot of peer pressure. A lot of these men are really good at talking you into shit that you don't want to do. And you know you're not supposed to. But you're so scared of losing him or looking like a dork in front of him. You'll do whatever he says. And... I think girls nowadays need to really buck up and grow some balls and stand up for themselves and say, look, I'm not doing that. And if you are going to dump me for not doing it, then you can go home. Exactly. Have respect for yourself. If yeah. there's something that you do not want to do, don't mm-hmm. do it. Um, you'll find a man that will respect you. You'll, you've, you've, I've seen it a thousand times, a million times, whether it be on TV, here on the radio whatever you have to have respect for yourself Mm -hmm. if you don't then you're going to get walked all over from that guy and then that guy's going to try and leave you and say oh she let me do this she's this she's that she's a whore you exactly you've got to have respect for yourself Mm -hmm. do your thing yeah and if that person can't respect you for what you want then how's he going to respect you for anything else anything exactly like not cheating for instance Pretty much. I mean, yes. that's the bottom line, really. Oh, my God. Speaking of cheating, um, didn't you say you, there was a question that you had? Are women, why are women better oh. cheaters than guys? Yes. That was one of them. They're, it, it's equal. I don't think women are better cheaters than I men. do. <laughs> <laughs> that's because you're a woman. <laughs> no. Women are not better cheaters than men. It, it it's to me I think it's just look at it from straight men though cause you gay men are like half woman to me so y'all are half as smart as we are so but I feel like True. straight men are not quite as suave as a gay man trying to go out there and creep, creep you know to me True. Uh, yeah I could uh, yeah you could say that you know straight guys listening um, there's only so many times you can tell your girl that you're working late 
Yes. I mean, that's got to be the oldest trick in the book. Oldest. And to all you women out there, if that's what your man is saying, then you're about as dumb as they are. Yeah. Because. Yeah. No man works late. No man. No man has a business trip every weekend. Mm-mm. Just for two days. Come on. No. No. Yeah. Yeah. You. I think you could be right with that because. Can I tell you a story? Sure. So I had a guy said he was working late, right? And I'm, this is so embarrassing because I'm like, my parents listen to this. But he came home and I knew something was off, you know, that woman's intuition. And so he got undressed and trying to have nookie nookie. Why does your balls and penis smell like fresh soap? But the rest of you... Smells like you've been walking around all day. That's a dead giveaway. Right. I mean, unless you pissed yourself <laughs> or you went to the bathroom and went, ooh, I need to wash that. I forgot to this morning. Mm-mm. That's what I'm saying. Straight men are not that, that that's slick. That's a dead giveaway. Because I've actually, that, that's true that you mentioned that because I've actually picked random guys up, mm-hmm. you know, on the sites and they come over and you're like, penis smell like soap right but your armpits smell like right three-day-old rotten submarine right <laughs> yeah think about it yeah so yeah Ooh. yeah yeah so uh, yeah you, i guess you could say that women yeah i guess it also just depends on the, the individual person i mean you can about the women that are just so cutesy about life and mm. whatever and they're out there doing their thing mm-hmm. and then you just got women who are just like whatever yeah but anyway I don't know what can you do just always follow your intuition if about somebody always yeah. if your gut tells you what something's not right then it's something's, something's not, right. not right yeah and don't think oh I got him on google finder I can see wherever he is whenever. Honey, they can leave their phone at work, mm-hmm. go do their thing, and come back and pick that phone back up. Mm-hmm. We ain't stupid. Oh, speaking of phones, I keep for, I need, keep forgetting to tell my niece this. So, nieces, I'm going to tell you, y'all need to stop relying on text messaging when you're courting these men. Okay, because men will hide behind text messages. They can say all day long in a text message, I'm at home chilling, playing video games. You need to pick up that phone if he doesn't pick up or if he picks up and there's a lot of noise like he's at the club. Hello. Pretty much. Yeah. That's how I used to bust guys all the time. You're where? And I can hear, like, in the back. He's outside of the club, but I can hear the boom, boom, boom. I'm like, you're at the wave. There was, like, a video on YouTube um, talking about something like that. And the girl's, like, texting her guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, baby, I'm sick right now. Mm-hmm. I'm not feeling real good. And she says, really? He goes, yeah, I think I'm just going to stay home and chill. He's like, well, you might want to tell the girl that you're sitting next to. And he's sitting at the bar with another chick, and she's actually at the same bar. Shut up. Wanting him to come out and meet her. But right. he's at the bar. <laughs> yeah. And not that he's cheating on her, but he was just sitting at the bar. He was lying. With, he was lying. He wasn't at home sick. He was at the bar. Right. And she would just happen to be at that same bar. Oh, my so. God. I think texting's a great way as an icebreaker in the beginning. 
But you can't really get to know someone via text. You need to pick up the phone and call. Yeah. You know? I'm bad at that because I... You are. I don't... I, I would have broken up with you ages ago. you're not because you spend your life on the phones. What? About... With work. Like, I don't want to call people? I don't like calling I people because feel... I've spent my time on the phone <laughs> doing collections and trying to... No. I hate the phone. But I feel a lack of connection to my friends sometimes. Just texting. Yeah, that's true. Like, that connection's not there. It's just fluff. I could be on the toilet texting you. It means nothing. Exactly. I've actually been on the toilet and texted you. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> You've been all kinds of places <laughs> texting. Oh, dear God. I uh, probably have. Well, speaking of friendships and friends not answering the phone when you call them and stuff like that, you know, how do you... <laughs> I was napping last night. Shut up. See, I was trying to be professional and call you and update you and kind of give you the scoop on how we're going to handle things. Okay. He was napping. So, Mike, we got a question about fair-weather friends. How do you deal with them? Personally, I don't know, man. I have a hard time with them. I do. Because I give 110%. Yeah, fair-weather friends are just, they're people that, you know, I have a firm belief that certain people are in your life for a reason. Mm-hmm. And in a season. Yeah. I have a couple fair-weather friends that are just, you know, mm-hmm. hey, you want to come over and play cards? You want to go out and have a drink? It, it's... You know, it's they're they're friends that you don't have to put a lot of energy into, but mm-hmm. are fun to be with, right? Or fun to hang around, um, you know. And then I have my really good friends, you know, who you know I try to talk to quite often, mm-hmm. and you know, even if I don't talk to them, I can text them and say, "Hey, how you doing?" Right. It's like we just spoke two hours ago. So, it all depends on on your personal preference and what you want out of life, and and the people that you have around. Now, if those fair weather friends are negative type fair weather friends, then yeah. those are the ones you got to get rid of. Yeah. Don't have a fair weather friend who's there who constantly is complaining or bitching about something in life. Because mm-hmm. you don't that's that just only brings you down, puts you in a foul mood, and you can't have those type of people around. Well, people go through shit, but there's a give and take when when you're talking to somebody about their problems. Yeah, I understand people go through stuff. God knows I went through something, and I had a few friends that, you know, quite a few friends who actually yeah. helped me through my situation last year. But if it's every single day, mm-hmm. then you have to look at that particular person. Or not every single day, because that's not fair with the friends. That's something different. But if it's every time you talk to that person, there's something bad going on. Mm-hmm. You either have to go, look, what are you doing that's giving you this issue? Or, look, I can't handle your issue no more. You right. gotta go. You know, you gotta draw the line somewhere mm-hmm. to either help that person mm-hmm. or send that person on their way. Right. Only so much you can do as a human being, and yeah, yeah. If people, if you can give advice until you're blue in the face, that person has to learn how to take that advice and use the advice. Mm-hmm. If they just take and take and take and don't use it to help themselves, then you just gotta throw your hands in the air and go. You know what? I gave it my best. Mm-hmm. You're still in that situation. Yeah. You gotta go. Yeah. 
Yeah, that, that might sound crappy, that might sound mean, but, you know, if it's harming you as a person, you gotta move on. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta throw that fish back in the water and let somebody else catch it. And try to be as honest as possible. Say, mm-hmm. look, your problem's wearing on me, I can't really give it the focus I need because I've got my own stuff. Yeah, and exactly. Just try to be as honest as possible. It's not easy to do, but it's better for them, honestly. Yeah. And this is a good one. Should you be friends with coworkers? You want to hear what my uncle said? <laughs> who's, sure. a, who's a millionaire? No, you have no friends at work. Now, repeat that in a Danish accent. That's how my uncle told me. <laughs> I'm. It. I see his point. Yeah. It's kind of cut and dry, but I yeah. see it. Um. Well, it, it depends on your position in that work in that job. Um. You know if like you and I if we're both you know customer service phone people mm-hmm. yeah it's cool to have a friend because sometimes you need somebody yes to vent in in your field of work mm-hmm. to maybe after work is over mm-hmm. to say girl let's go grab a beer or let's go get a drink and just mm-hmm. vent because if you come home and you try to talk to somebody who is not in that field of work has no clue what you're talking about Mm -hmm. they're not going to get it right so to have somebody that you can have that type of friendship with and um vent with Mm -hmm. then yeah now as far as you know anybody in management no you you can't have that it's sad because that just creates an issue both at the workplace and in the personal friendship because if that manager actually has to step up and be a manager because of something mm-hmm. that you've said or done that just puts both people in an awkward position and you can't have that it's tricky it is it's very tricky well this is my best advice especially with as you said phone reps and you want to bitch about stuff um just be careful what you tell people like i tend not to get too personal like, I tend not to divulge too much of my personal home life information to somebody. Yeah. Because they can use it against you. Mm-hmm. You never know. There might be a promotion coming up and they'll throw you underneath the bus. Mm-hmm. or. So there's that. But, you know, I worked in a company in Indiana. And we were all friends with our bosses. And they all used to come out drinking with us. And it worked. It was the most bizarre thing, but trying to do that here, I guess, I don't know what people's temperament is different in Indiana, like they're not so catty, mm-hmm. maybe? I, yeah. It, it, I guess in that situation it would work, but I worked for P.F. Chang's. When P.F. Chang's first opened up, they had a manager there, uh, her name was Kathy, uh, don't remember her last name, uh, but she was, you know, short, heavy set, loud, boisterous, fun lady, and, mm-hmm. you know... You know, she was a great manager, but at the end of the day, when you know the restaurant closed, a bottle of wine and a half, mm. two bottles of wine, she was shit faced to the wind, and things were said. Wow. And she couldn't control her mouth. She was a raging alcoholic. Wow. And it was just entirely too much. And I think I remember they had a a gathering at one of somebody's house. Uh, there was a holiday party. This was after I had been fired for opening my mouth to a customer. <laughs> uh oh. Imagine that. Hmm. Um, not Mike. No, not me. No. I don't talk bad to people. <laughs> Assholes. <laughs> um, that she had gotten drunk 
and things were said and a number of people quit wow so it, it yeah it, it depends on the actual individual and the, the job the work environment you know if it worked at that place in India because sometimes it can do that yeah. you know if you have that type of relationship with a, a co-worker be a manager or <laughs> do you have like any last thoughts for young people out there dating trying to live their best life um yeah like what would you tell young mike what would i tell young mike pull your head out of your ass and pay the fuck attention (laughs) um yeah you really just and i know it's hard to to say this to young people because i know how i was when i was young Mm -hmm. i'm not listening to you you're old right um you really kind of have to listen to us yeah (laughs) when your mom and dad said i've been where you've been before it's true it's true yeah trust us yeah um you really have to make sure that you are living your life for you Mm -hmm. um don't let other people come in and influence you unless that influence is in a good way Mm -hmm. um because there are people that will try to influence you to do good that's true um And and don't, when people give you advice, don't ignore it. You know, it, it's it's advice that if they're a good friend, that they're definitely trying to help you out. Right. One of my best friends who passed away a couple of years ago, um, I met him when I was 17. For almost 30 years we were friends. And uh, God rest his soul, he was one of the best people. Because I could call him mm-hmm. after months and we would mm-hmm. chit-chat. And he took me in because uh, back then my parents had kicked me out mm-hmm. and he was always trying to guide me on that right direction um, yeah. and he was one of those friends where initially for him it was a sexual thing and then it grew into something better um, we just became good friends so you had and he was much older I was in my early teens when I met him and he was in his 50s oh wow yeah, so I've always been that kind of person. Though. I've always gravitated to older people. Mm-hmm. I guess because even the people my age piss me off sometimes. Right. But yeah, you take advice from somebody who's been in your shoes. Don't look at that person and. and like, oh, you're stupid. Yeah, don't do that. Um, because even if it's not someone that you definitely know and or have a good relationship with it could be someone that says that sees you acting a certain way or doing a certain thing and going uh you should do this mm-hmm. and it, it might be for your better interest to do that mm-hmm. i always listen to my elder queens i do mm-hmm. i was raised by a bunch of drag queens <laughs> and honey they set me straight they you, yeah I, they really did i learned a lot kids today are younger people today Oh, it, pull your face away from the phone. Oh, geez. Jesus Christ. I mean, I know we're doing a podcast and we're <laughs> staring at this, this, this little iPad thing here, but... Yeah. Oh, my God. There is a world outside of that four-inch by two-inch piece of machinery in yes. your hand. Get out and see it. Pay attention to what's around you because, let me tell you, life is too beautiful to be staring at a phone all day. And when you get old and you're on your deathbed, you're going to be like... 
I, I didn't do anything but look at my phone my whole life. Mm-hmm. When I was out with my friends, I was on my phone. When I went on vacation, I was on my phone taking pictures, you know. And you know, too, when you're video recording something, like this is me at Disney. I was video recording the parade. And I walked away from that parade and couldn't remember anything that I saw because I was so busy recording it. And people are like, well, you, you got it on the recording. It's not the same. It's not the same. It's not the same. You can see a beautiful sunrise and it's not the same. No. So get your heads out of your phone. And they also say, try not to go on to Instagram, Facebook, whatever social media as soon as you wake up. Because some people post shit that's negative and that's how you're going to start your day. Yep. That's going to... I'm guilty of that myself. You see something bad. And I've actually unfollowed or unfriended people who are constantly posting political stuff. Um, abused because, animals. Uh, abused animals, yes. <laughs> I, can't, I can't do it. You know, it, especially in today's political climate, it, it's going to be negative no matter what political post you see. Yes. So you will be unfollowed if you start posting negative political yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, you've got to try to start your day as positive as you can. And don't fool yourself. Don't sit there and go, oh, that doesn't bother me. Or, yeah, it or does. That. It does. It bothers everybody. And, it, it, you know, no matter what people say, it's going to affect how you live your life. Right. Stay positive. Stay out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, bring positive feelings to other people because you'll get that positivity back in return it may not be that same moment it may not be that same day Mm -hmm. it'll be at a time where you are least expecting that positivity to pop up I watched a YouTube video and the guy was talking about growing up in a narcissistic family his stepmom was a narcissist and very 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 abusive towards him and he Always, you know, when you're in an abusive relationship or you find someone that has hurt you, what do you instantaneously think of? You're like, oh, I hope you get run over by a rock. You know, like you always are wishing them like something horrible so you feel better. But what was happening with that, he was just inviting more people like her into his life because he wasn't letting go. So when he started to let go and forgive her, he didn't go up to her and say, I forgive you. He forgave her inside to let go of his negative feelings. And that's when good things started to happen. So I, yeah. I literally sat at my desk last week and forgave you. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I forgave you a long time ago, but still. <laughs> still. No, but there's people in my life. I sat at my desk. I was like, okay, I forgive you. I won't forget. But I forgive you, and I hope you do well in life, and I forgive you. I just ran through like a mini list and just tried to let go of the negative feelings, like wanting them to get run over by a Mack truck. Negative, yeah. Just be, saying the word forgive doesn't mean you physically walk up and go, No, Lita, I forgive you. Mm-mm. No, you have to forgive people in your heart. Mm-hmm. And sitting down in a quiet place and thinking about a particular person and go, You know what? I forgive you. Mm-hmm. Like you said, I wish the best for you. Mm-hmm. And move on. Yeah. That's not for them. Because they probably don't even care that you forgive them. Mm-hmm. You have to forgive them for you. You're raising your vibration. Exactly. Yeah. You're you're putting good karma into your life, and making sure that you can do that. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people can't. They can't think about something. And go, I forgive yeah, you. Exactly. 
So to actually have that ability to forgive someone without physically saying that to them mm-hmm. is, a, is a strong movement for yourself. It is. It's huge. It's huge. Yeah. Well, this is beautiful, Michael. Thank you for driving all the way out here and having to use your passport and, and pack a lunch. and. TSA has gotten bad these days, God. <laughs> it did not. I could be TSA. I mean... Did they do a cavity search? They did a cavity search. They were asking me why I was smiling when I was done. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. That's Mike and Lita. We're signing out. Until next time. Bye-bye. want to contact me you can reach me at that's just life podcast at gmail.com and I will talk to you soon hi endo sisters and just queens in general or whoever's listening hello welcome to my show um today's show is um I'm going to apologize ahead of time because I may be all over the place. I'm going to try not to be. I'm trying to put everything in chronological order. I'm try, also trying not to forget anything. So please forgive me. But it's something that needs to be said. It's something that needs to be advertised and screamed from the rooftops. Because there's so many people silently suffering. And they don't need to. They don't need to. Because you're not the only one, probably. I know I'm not. So join me on today's show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm just going to dive in here feet first. Um, let me read this off to you. This is from actually the CDC, their website. If you type in long COVID in your Google search, the CDC site for it comes up immediately. And this is definition of post-COVID conditions. Some people who have been infected with the virus that causes COVID-19 can experience long-term effects from their infection, known as post-COVID conditions or long COVID. People call post-COVID conditions by many names, including long COVID, long-haul COVID, post-acute COVID-19, post-acute sequelae, SARS-CoV-2 infections, etc., etc., or chronic COVID. Um, Post-COVID conditions can include a wide range of ongoing health problems. These conditions can last weeks, months, or even years. Post-COVID conditions are found more often in people who had severe COVID-19 illness, but anyone who has been infected with the virus that causes COVID-19 can experience post-COVID conditions, even people who had mild illness or no symptoms of all of COVID-19. They're saying people who are not vaccinated against COVID-19 and become infected may also be at higher risk of developing post-COVID conditions. I haven't really seen any research on that, but okay. Um, (laughs) That may be out there, but I I feel like post-COVID, it it doesn't care who you are, (laughs) honestly. While most people with post-COVID conditions have evidence of infection of COVID-19 illness, in some cases, a person with post-COVID conditions may not have tested positive for the virus or known that they were infected. 
CDC and partners are working to understand more about who experiences post-COVID conditions and why, including whether groups disproportionately <laughs> impacted by COVID-19 are at higher risk. Okay, let me tell you my story. Um, and, you know, let me just start off by saying this. If you're vaccinated, not vaccinated, I don't care. Um, I don't judge. That is your choice to do what, what you want with your body. I am never going to look at you sideways, ever. Um, so let me just put that out there. I'm not vaccinated. I have beliefs um, and a belief system and a spirituality religion that we do not vaccinate. I'm just going to put that out there. Some of y'all may hate me. I don't understand why so many people hate people. It's my body. I have not gotten anyone sick with COVID. I have been very reclusive the last couple of years. And I'm going to explain to you my story now. But I love all of you. And I hope you still love me. Because I don't care what you are, what you do with your life. I still love you. <laughs> okay? So I just want to put that out there. So first of all, I have... Where I had a set of people in my life that knew me my whole life and I called them grandma grandpa they lived right next door to me I spent a lot of time with them they were the sweetest people on the face of the earth my grandmother died pre-covid pre like years prior to when covid hit my grandfather um was still alive he went in 2019 Thanksgiving, he took a flight to go visit family and he came back and two weeks later to the day, he had to be hospitalized and the doctors were at a loss what was going on with him. They um, put in a pacemaker because they saw that his heart was struggling, but this is a man that was healthy as a horse. And then he kept having these other weird things that would come up and go away, come up and go away. Uh, you know, the temperature, he was, he got very, very, very sick. He was coughing. He was having trouble breathing the whole nine yards. Typical, right? He um, also was on dialysis towards the end. I mean, they, they were at a loss. Um, his, his doctor, his daughter kept asking the doctor, you know, what's going on with him? And they're like, we're just trying to treat the symptoms as they're popping up, but we can't keep up. When he passed, it was myself, my husband, and his daughter in the room with him. And exactly two weeks later, we all got very, very ill. This was in February of 2020. So there wasn't any really known cases where I lived yet. In fact, there wasn't really a whole lot in the States yet. They didn't even have testing, right? So I remember going to the doctor three or four times. I'd be like, what is wrong with me? I couldn't breathe. That was the main thing that scared me to death. And they just kept giving me inhalers you know, different inhalers. 
Um, I, I couldn't even go downstairs of my house without getting out of breath. And I first I thought I was sitting at work and I had a fever. Uh, it was Tuesday night. And I was like, uh oh, I don't want to get anyone sick because I just thought I was getting a cold or a flu or something. And I left work and I felt perfectly fine on Wednesday. So I went back to work. I didn't have a fever, nothing, nothing was going on. Then Wednesday night hit, the fever came back. And I'm like, okay. That by the time I got home Wednesday night, it hit with a vengeance. Like the runny nose, the aches, the pains, the fever. But let me tell you the weird thing about the sickness. You know your body, okay? And I felt like I was fighting something I have never fought before. Like we've all fought the flu. We've all fought a cold and, you know, any other thing like that, that we get yearly. This didn't feel right. And my nose, I'm not trying to be graphic, but I, I honestly want you guys to email me and let me know of your experiences because I feel like more information is just beneficial to everyone. But, um... My nose was like running like a faucet. It would not shut up. And normally if I could, if I took an Aleve colon sinus or Advil colon sinus or Theraflu or whatever it was, Dayquil, NyQuil, at night, everything, you know, my nose would, excuse me, I'm sorry, stop running and I could get some sleep. Well, no matter what I took, nothing was working. Nothing would stop my nose from running. And I was like, I can't go to work. You know, there's no way. I had to sleep with tissue shoved up. I had to walk around with tissue shoved up my nose. And it was just constant. It was like a faucet. It literally was like a faucet. I'm not trying to be graphic. I'm just trying to explain my symptoms. And then the breathing thing really had me scared. I was like, I felt like a fish out of water. So um, there was one point me battling this and it would be like the fever would come and then it would go and then uh the aches and pains would come and it would go it was, it was like the symptoms would come and go like I'd cough and then I'd stop and then it was so bizarre it was just the strength and then my nose would stop running and then it'd start but it it wasn't because the medicine I was taking it was like the timing wasn't right you know it was very it, and it kind of reminded me of my granddad would his whatever was going wrong with him would start and stop abruptly. You know, it was just it was all over the place and that's how I felt. And there was literally a point when I was laying there and I was like, I'm gonna die. And I don't know why I said that. It I guess it was just the knowledge that I'm fight I knew I was fighting something that I've never fought before, but I never thought for a moment it was COVID. Never. My husband um, it affected him more when the coughing, um, and I lost my taste and he lost his taste. Um, my granddad's daughter, she had, her and I were very similar in what we, uh, experienced. So after we all recovered, uh, well, I'm going to use air quotes with re- recovered. She contacted my granddad's doctor at the hospital and because she started thinking, she's like, wait a minute, you two got sick too at the same time? And, you know, and I told her how weird my symptoms were. And she um, told me that 
the doctor is 99.9% sure we all had COVID. My granddad, like this was like a, like a couple months down the road when more knowledge was coming out about COVID. 99.9% sure we all got COVID by the symptoms alone. And then looking at granddad's, like what was going on with him. And I was like so upset. You know, I was so upset because it's bad enough you have a loved one die. But to have a loved one die from a man-made freaking virus. You know, like, he didn't deserve that. My granddad was in the military. He was in the submarines. You know, he was a good man. He was very good to my grandmother. He didn't deserve a man-made virus to take him out. I was pissed. (sighs) I'd love to say that I recovered. I didn't. Um, I had trouble breathing uh, for about eight months. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't go walking around. We used to always, my husband and I used to always go walking in the woods, these long trails I couldn't. I couldn't even walk all the way around the block. There, there, there's a couple times I was determined to go, and he would have to come pick me up in the car. I couldn't make it halfway around the block. I kept going to the doctors. They kept giving me inhalers. And I'm like, what in the world, you know? So that was, I got initially sick in February. So in April, the very beginning of April... I was sitting there watching TV and I happened to look at my arm and I have like blonde hair on my arms, right? And I'm looking at my arm and I'm like, there is like no hair on my arms, right? And then I was was like looking at other places and (laughs) there was no hair on my legs, hardly at all. And I remember it had been a while since I shaved my armpits. Like I really, I'd be in the shower looking to shave and... And I was like, what is going on? And then the hair on my head was thinning. And I just was like, maybe I'm stressed out. But no, usually when I'm stressed out, it comes out on my head. This is, this is, no, 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 no. And that went on for beginning of April, May. It started growing back about June of 2020. Late June, July of 2020. Then, <laughs> telling you, um, in August of 20, um, these weird, I, I would get these itchy spots on my hands and it would be like third degree burn blisters that would formulate. And it would itch and burn and hurt at the same time. And I was like, what's going on? And I blamed it on the um, hand sanitizer but then I'm thinking Lita you didn't use that much hand sanitizer like because I was at home you know I didn't go out much I didn't use I didn't need to use hand sanitizer I'd be home I would just wash my hands and that was August of 20 and that has been a thing up until very recently where are we at now we're in July 2022. I would say April 2022. 
my hands stopped being so sensitive. Like it didn't matter what my hands touched. It they didn't it didn't even have to have alcohol in it. They would have these blisters and itchy bumps and dry skin afterwards. Almost like eczema. So I switched all to baby stuff and that helped. But even if I touched a cart from the store that they had sanitized a week ago, I would break out in a rash. So it got to a point where my husband had to like push all the carts and touch doors and stuff like that because I would break out. Crazy, right? (sighs) What else happened? Got the breathing, got the hair loss and got the... Mm, Yes, so... February of 2022, when the other wave of COVID came around, um, I'm still working from home. My husband's job changed, so he's more in the public eye. And he brought home what we believe to be the newest COVID because it was very, yet again, very weird symptoms. And we searched everywhere for a test. And this is a time where all the tests were just gone. There was no test to be found. And we're both sick as dogs. And I'm too weak to even go to the doctor, you know. And I just make the executive choice. Okay, I'm just going to chill. So I had a fever of 102 for two days. I had body aches. And I was just extremely, like, I felt like I weighed 2,000 pounds. My husband had... Like, a little bit of cold symptoms, nothing huge for him. I seem to be getting the worst of it. And when I finally, well, I'm using air quotes again. When I finally got better, it was like two weeks later, I, I was didn't have any symptoms. I felt okay, you know, maybe a little tired, but I felt okay. And I went to go visit my parents, which is they're in another state. It takes about maybe two hours, maybe hour, 45 minutes to get to their house. And I said, okay, I'm going to take the back roads to their house. That way it's not such fast of a drive and I can take my time and, you know, probably one of the better decisions I made. And I left and I was about 30 minutes into my drive And all of a sudden, everything starts coming. My vision starts going down to a pinpoint. And I feel like I'm going to faint. Even thinking about this triggers me. And I'm scared. Because I'm on this little two-lane country road. And I'm like, oh my god. What? What the hell? What's going on? So I pulled into a parking lot of this tiny little, it's like a home, but it was a business. They had a little parking lot. And I sat there for a minute. I called my husband. I was like, I'm not doing good. I don't know what to do. I can't leave my car anywhere, you know, because I'm kind of like in the middle of nowhere. I can't leave it. Even if you were to come get me, we can't leave my car. So I'm going to have to get my shit together. But I just want you to know what's going on. I called my dad and told him I won't be able to make it because... I'm already faint. He's like, are you okay? Have you eaten? And, you know, my husband asked the same. And I had Chick-fil-A with me. And I had been munching on the hash browns, which I love and adore, by the way. And I thought, you know, usually that's enough. And took a couple sips of my tea. And so it didn't feel like low blood sugar at all. I wasn't hungry. I don't know what was going on. 
so I drove to another parking lot. I was like heading back home. And I drove a couple miles down the road and stopped in another parking lot. I ate my breakfast. I think I ate half my parents' breakfast because they don't have Chick-fil-A where they live. They're they're way out there. And <laughs> and then I drove a couple miles more down the road. And ironically, I stopped at a Sentara urgent care <laughs> parking lot. And Brad's like, you should go in there. You should, like, actually be seen. And I was like, no, I don't. I'm, I'm. There's so many times that I've been to the doctor and they're like, I don't know what's wrong, you know. So I I get frustrated with having to go. I'm sorry. Forgive me. But I will go. But I just, but I started to feel better. So I drove the rest of the way home. By the next weekend, I was okay to drive to my parents, but it was just very bizarre. It was like whatever I was sick with. So the following week, I tried to visit again. I, I was able to go. And then... I came home and I put my office chair together because I just got a new office chair. And the next morning, I was in so much pain. I was like, oh, I must have hurt myself putting the chair together. And then I was like, "Uh, no. If you hurt yourself, it's more muscle pain, right? This was nerves, like everywhere. Everything hurt. Every part of my body hurt. I... I don't know if you've ever had nerve pain. You can't get away from it. Muscle pain, you can get away from it. You can position yourself a certain way to relax the muscle or put heat or ice on it, whatever you need to do. You can get away from it. You cannot get away from nerve pain. I'm here to tell you, you can't. And I've had sciatic pain before, especially after surgery. This was on a whole nother, everything hurt. And it's really hard for me to talk about this right now. Because it was the scariest time of my life. And yes, I did go to the doctor. Yes, I did. I promise you. I went to like three. <laughs> and um, they just gave me steroids and muscle relaxers. And they weren't working. I had four nights where I did not sleep. I could not sleep. And I was like yelling in pain. I was keeping my husband up. I was sleeping in the other room hoping I wouldn't wake him up. But the pain, you feel like you're dying. You feel like someone is slowly killing you. And it was the most traumatic experience. And when you go to three doctors and they give you medicine and it's not working, you're like, it's just you. And you feel like I am never going to get through this. Like, I'm going to be like this for the rest of my life. And, like, one of my managers called me. And I just ended up bawling. And he's like, oh, my God, are you okay? You know, did you go to the hospital? I was like, yes. <laughs> Is Brad there? I said, yes. You know, I just, I was sleep deprived. I, I was uncomfortable. I was exhausted. I can't even. <sighs> I took, like, so much time off work. So by the fifth day, something told me, I, I swear it's like my spirit guides or my family members on the other side, I swear they tell me to do things sometimes and it ends up being absolutely the right thing to do. So I found this chiropractor because I remember when I had sciatic pain, I went to the chiropractor and it really, really, really helped. So I found a chiropractor right at the street. He's fantastic. I went to him. I was in so much pain. 
But you know how we do, Endo Sisters. We cover up. You know, we're not going to sit in your office chair and be bawling and on the floor, which is what we want to be, because we we are enduring so much pain just to look normal. And people are like, well, you look fine. Do you know how hard it is for me to look fine? Do you want me to be on the floor rolling in pain? Because that's really what I want to be doing, because everything in my body is is just... I can't even explain to you the pain. That's what's frustrating, you know. I wonder, Endo Sisters, if we should stop trying to cover up how much pain we're in on the outside and, and, and roll on the floor and, and yell and everything else so people start taking us seriously, I guess. But I ugh, don't get me started. I know you all understand. It's just... It's so hard. So anyway, I went to go see the chiropractor and it did help a lot. Like immediately, a lot of my nerve pain went away and I went straight to bed and I slept for the first time in like four nights, five days. But I wasn't out of the woods yet. So I went to go see him the next week and then I went to go see him. A month later and even at a month later he's like what I put you through should have taken care of this what's going on I said I don't know so that was February March and into April having to deal with all that in April all of a sudden you ready <laughs> more shit um <laughs> I started getting really bad pelvic pain let me just call a spade a spade I had pain like I was on the worst period in my uterus okay and I was like what's going on now I just got rid of all the nerve pain in my body and I knew I was going to be dealing with tense muscles I could feel it like my muscles felt like they were bruised they hurt so I knew I was going to deal with that but then this other period pain started and I'm like what is going on like and it was every day, every day. And to be honest with you, it is now July and I've been having to take a pain pill every day. If not two or well, more than one pain pill, but you get what I'm saying. So I thought, you know, might be me. I've, and also the financial end of things. How many doctors, doctors have already been to this year? Yeah, I, I, we're not rich by any, by any extreme whatsoever. So the thought of going to another doctor, I was like, oh, here we go. And they, they all don't, I don't know, you know. And I said, well, I'm due an OBGYN appointment anyway for wellness check, you know, the typical lady check. And long story short, they do an ultrasound. They do the pap smear. I go see the, the surgeon doctor individual, the main doctor. And... He, I'm sitting here thinking he's going to tell me I need a hysterectomy. And he doesn't. And he's like, well, we looked for endometriosis. And I looked at him. I said, I don't remember having a laparoscopic surgery the other day. And he's like, no, no, through the ultrasound. Like, And I look at him again. I'm like, how can you see endometriosis on an ultrasound? They, they said they could. But I have on all my reading up. And correct me if I'm wrong. You have to have laparoscopic surgery in order for them to 
diagnose you with endo. They can't see it with a ultra. Don't get me started. Okay. I mean, I'm not, a, again, I'm not a professional. I'm not a doctor. I'm just telling you what's happening in my life. Anywho, Sarge so was like, okay. So he did say I had a fibroid. I'm like, well, that's not good. And it's, But it's only the size of a blueberry. I'm like, a size of a blueberry on a uterus? It was at the top of my uterus, on the outside of my uterus. And your uterus is about the size of a lemon. And I'm sitting here thinking, a blueberry sitting on top of a lemon is still pretty substantial. But he wasn't worried about it. He was like, that's not, that's not what's causing your pain. I'm like, really? I mean, what... I, uh, you know, like, here we go. I said, well, what is it? And he's like, well, I don't know. The only thing I can think of is it could be your hormone levels. And I'm like, this is not hormones. This, you know, I mean, I was starting to get night sweats. It may be partially hormones. I'll give them that. But it just doesn't, I, you know how you just know your body, you know, there's something else. So I'm sitting there like wanting to cry because of all the things the doctor could say, oh, no, you know, don't say it about my uterus, like about this pain. Like the, I, I can't handle, you know, you got to think I've been in pain nonstop since February. So he wants to put me on Lupron. I'm like, no, doesn't it have a class action lawsuit against it? And I don't want to be thrown into menopause. So we compromised and he put me on the birth control pill. I wasn't too thrilled, but I mean, you know. So I get sent home with the birth control pill and I am told that I can take all the ibuprofen I want, which I don't know about that, but <laughs> I don't take all the ibuprofen I want because I'm scared to death of what's going on with my liver. Like, you know. I don't even know where to begin. So I take the first pill that night. My night sweats are not as bad. They're still there, but they're not as bad. By the second night, the night sweats are gone. And the night sweats have been, have been gone ever since. So I'm like, okay, that's one problem out of the way. Not that the night sweats were really bothering me, but that just leads me to believe, okay, that there's something hormonal going on. But I'm still dealing with pelvic pain. And then one day it just exploded like a week after my appointment with him I've been on the pill for a week it, I'm still having pelvic pain but this one particular excuse me day it was really bad so I called up a doctor because I noticed I was having frequent um, urination and also I was feeling feverish like chilled you know and from having chronic UTI since I was like six years old, you know, but it's just, it was odd because I wasn't getting the burning. I was just going a lot and I was chilled and I felt really, really lethargic. And I was like, well, this feels like a UTI without the burning. So I talked to the doctor. I was, you know, still working. I'm like talking to the doctor over the phone, giving him my symptoms. And what do you think? And he's like, it sounds like you have infections. I ordered a test kit and I had white blood cells in my urine so that indicated to me, okay, I'm fighting something. So he put me on a um, antibiotic. And after a few days, I started to feel better. And a lot of my bloating went down. And a lot of my pelvic pain went away. Not all. Don't get excited. 
but a lot of it went away. And I'm sitting here thinking, did I have this infection when I went to go see the doctor like a week ago? Like they never tested me. They never drew blood. He never put his hands on me like to feel around because I was worried. Was it an infection in my uterus? Because I had I had read that when you have your um, when you have surgery to remove things out of your uterus, you're more prone to infections, bacterial infections. And also when I was having all those horrible nerve pains, the only place I was not having pain and I could somewhat relax was in the bathtub. So, you know, I was a mermaid. I was in the bathtub all the time for months. And so for me to have a UTI or a bacterial infection of any kind, yeah, it, it wasn't, um, it wasn't too far fetched. It, it sounded like it was about right. <sighs> Where am I today? Today, um, it just feels like, well, I think my body's still trying to adjust to the birth control pill, but let me explain to you something. So I'm getting irritated, right? Like I'm feeling like, okay, there's something that's causing all this. I got sick in February. I'm pretty darn sure it was COVID again. I haven't fully recovered from the first COVID. Technically, I'm still having, I don't know if you can hear me. I'm still having breathing problems from time to time. Not as much, but every so often. So I started doing a deep dive into long COVID. I was like, that's the only thing I could think of. And I ran across many, many, many videos, um, especially uh, videos of people in England, doctors in England talking about it and what they're doing to treat people and that there's actual special clinics for people with long COVID. And I was like, watching this and listening to some women's, um, what the, what's going on with them. And this one woman in particular around my age, the same exact thing was going on with her down to losing the hair, not able to breathe. And then, um, all of a sudden her periods were just horrible. And that's another thing after each, like the COVID February and the, um, Wow, I had COVID a year apart from... So the COVID in 9... was it? 20? And COVID in 22. Not a year apart. That's two years apart. Hi. Um, <laughs> after each one, for about six months or so, my periods are horrible. So when I saw that this lady was diagnosed with long COVID, I was like, oh, Wow. Okay. Interesting. Also, what was interesting is she was allergic to cheese and she had accidentally had something with cheese. And what she usually did, she would take a Benadryl and she took a Benadryl. She woke up the next morning and most of the symptoms she had been fighting with were gone or drastically subsided after dealing with this stuff for years. I was like, what? So they're finding out that antihistamines are helping with people with long COVID because what's happening is with COVID, it increases your histamine levels in your body and inflammation and you're not able to heal because your body is so inflamed and on histamines that what the antihistamine does, it calms everything down so that way your cells can reproduce and recreate 
properly. I was like, what? So you mean to tell me an over-the-counter antihistamine can help heal me? I told my husband to get the biggest box of Claritin he could find. And I've been on that for about three or four days. And I do notice a difference. I do notice a difference. I really do. I'm not having to take quite as many painkillers as I had. And I don't feel... You know when your body's inflamed, you just, you feel off. Like you feel like you're inflamed. It's really, I don't know, I can't explain it. I feel like better. I'm not at 100% by any stretch of the imagination. But I feel a little better. So I encourage all of you to please do some research about long COVID and what you can do for it. Of course, I'm also taking vitamin C, zinc, vitamin D3, you know, all those sort of things to boost my immune system back up. Um, but I'm crossing my fingers this will work. But something's working because yesterday I was able to do, I don't know how many loads of laundry. I was able to clean most of the house. You know, I'm able to do things again. And I haven't been able to do hardly anything since February. So that's saying something. So I'm really, really thankful for that. And yes, I started the birth control pill, but I honestly, I think that might be a part of it. Don't get me wrong. But I think there's an, as I always said, there's another component here. When I started taking that Claritin is when I started getting my energy back. Um... The one doctor said, if it says 24 hour, take two, like one in the morning, one at night. And I'm like, eh, I'm still researching that. I, I get what they're saying because you want to keep your histamine levels low so your body can heal. But I'm just basically here. Oh, and then they were talking about mass cell activation syndrome, which is what COVID causes. And people who suffer from this, they also give them antihistamines. Look into that as well. But it can cause things like IBS, um, mast cell activation. But look it up. Just just put in uh, long COVID in YouTube. And there's so many videos about it. And um, there was like a little English doctor lady. She has short white hair. I'm sorry, I'll look up her name. Um, but she was talking about it. Okay, thank you. I just looked up what I was watching. It was Dr. Tina Pears, P-E-E-R-S. And she's from the um, UK. And she's been on quite a few YouTube interviews just discussing... Um, their findings and what their particular protocol is. So if you want to um, start with her, it'd probably be a really good place to start. Um, my sister has been, I'm not saying hers is COVID related, but she's been struggling with um, IBS herself. And because mast cell activation syndrome 
can cause I, IBS, um, I told her, I said, why don't you just try taking, um, a, you know, antihistamine every day and see how things go. So I'm going to follow up with her and see how she's doing. And then, um, there is also a video, Gez Mettinger, let me spell that for you, it's G is in golf, E, Z is in zebra, last name is M as in Mary, E, D is in delta, I, N, G, E, R. He also was talking about long COVID as well, and he also interviewed um, the, the woman in the UK as well. Um, so definitely look up those videos and just put in long COVID and just make your own decision. I mean, it's an antihistamine. It's something so easy that you can try it. And if it doesn't work, you know, it's not like, you know, you've done anything crazy. Not unless you have a sensitivity to antihistamines, of course. But um, definitely check with your doctor. And definitely do your own research. But I'm just here to tell you my story and give you a road to start going down so you can heal yourself. Because not too many doctors know about long COVID. I asked mine and he was basically like, we'll take vitamin C, zinc, D3, which was all helpful. It'll help me build my immunity up. But you can only do so much from from what I've researched. That's great. But if your histamine level is off the charts, your cells are constantly being degraded and they're not able to repair properly. It makes sense. So I'll definitely keep you guys informed. I'll probably add another segment onto this vid- uh, video. <laughs> um, onto this uh, podcast to update you on my journey and I just wish everyone health and love and that we can get through this together and again please feel free to email me and tell me about your story and also if you are okay with me talking about your story I, if you don't want me to mention your name that's perfectly fine just let me know because it helps to get this information out and there's so many people when I'm I'm talking to them, I'm like, you know, I'm pretty sure I've got long COVID. It makes complete sense now. And they're like, what? And my mother actually thought I was still contagious. And I was like, no, I'm not contagious. I just have damage from the virus. And she's like, oh. I was like, yeah, I just have long affecting damage. And there's so many people who've lost jobs because of the damage and what havoc it played on their bodies. And again, if anybody has seen an article like scientific proof that if you're vaccinated, it stops you from getting long COVID, let me know. I've been really trying to dig around and find that and I can't find it. And I don't like it that they're using vaccination status to kind of attack the people that aren't vaccinated. It's almost like, well, if you had the vaccination, you wouldn't have this right now. Do you know that? To me, that's not right. It's not okay on any level. I got COVID long before vaccination was even a a dream. So what's happening to me couldn't be avoided at any time 
anyway. And we just need to be nice to each other. No matter what someone's status is, we have to support one another. You know, we have to also remember this is a man-made virus made for what reason? Probably to use against our enemies. Because why else would you create a virus this horrible? We have to remember that. And we got to stop judging each other. Because that's what they want. They want us divided. We have to come together, share information, and help heal one another. I know a lot of you are probably shaking your heads and you all hate me. And I'm sorry. But all I'm speaking is love and support. If you have a problem with that, then you can stop listening. Of course, it's the end of my podcast anyway. So here we are. Oh.